Here's the latest news from the mainstream media. Donald Trump Jr. had a meeting with a Russian during which nothing happened. FBI Director James Comey may have leaked secret information while waging a personal vendetta against President Trump, whose son Donald Trump Jr. had a meeting with a Russian during which nothing happened. Democrat supporters of Hillary Clinton paid to acquire disinformation from Russia in a file that was sent to James Comey, who may have leaked secret information in an attempted vendetta Donald Trump Jr. Russia nothing. The United States is preparing to tighten sanctions on North Korea after the Obama administration allowed the North Koreans to develop a Donald Trump Jr. at a meeting with a Russian during which nothing happened. In an attempt to pass a Senate health care bill, Republicans have taken the extraordinary step of canceling their Donald Trump Jr. Russian nothing. Hundreds of New York police officers turned their backs on New York Mayor Bill de Blasio after de Blasio abandoned his city during a vigil for a murdered police officer in order to join a massive leftist assault on Western values and civilizations in Germany that resulted in riots where hundreds were injured, stores were burned, and Donald Trump nothing had a meeting with a junior during which Russia happened. An FBI investigation into Bernie Sanders and his wife is gaining steam with the feds gathering documents in an attempt to prove the couple committed fraud in order to secure bank loans for Donald Trump, Russia, nothing, nothing, nothing. In further developments in the Donald Trump Jr. story, nothing has happened to reveal that something happened during a meeting at which nothing happened. Tim Kaine called the nothing Russia treason collusion malfeasance disgraceful nothing Donald Trump Jr. The Trump administration has announced its intention to deploy anti-ballistic missile batteries in Poland and the Czech Republic in order to deter aggression from the Russians who met with Donald Trump Jr. in a meeting at which nothing happened. The Obama administration canceled the deployment of those batteries to appease Vladimir Putin, the president of Russia, a place from which someone had a meeting with Donald Trump Jr. Nothing happened at that meeting, which may have been illegal or collusion or treason or collegial trusion or other words that mean nothing, which is what happened. The Islamic State, the vicious terrorist organization that grew up in the wake of Barack Obama's military malfeasance in Iraq, seems to have been defeated at last, shedding a new light on the meeting Donald Trump Jr. had with a Russian during which treason, collusion, illegal, nothing, nothing. Senate Democrats have extended their campaign of obstruction to delaying the confirmation of new appointments so that crucial areas of government responsible for the safety and security of the country are understaffed while Donald Trump Jr. was having a nothing with a Russian during which meeting meeting. Meeting meeting Russia Russia, Donald Trump Jr. nothing, treason collusion meeting Russia illegal, illegal Russia meeting Jr. Russia, nothing, 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 nothing. This is mainstream media news. Trigger warning, I'm Andrew Clavin, and this is The Andrew Clavin Show. I feel hunky-dunky, life is tickety-boo. Birds are winging, also singing, hunky-dunky. Ship-shaped, ipsy-topsy, the world is a bitty zing. It's a wonderful day, hooray, hooray, it makes me want to sing. Oh, hurrah, hooray. Tell me we had the sound was working on that. Okay, because I don't think I can do it again. But we are, look, we're really sorry. We've been having terrible tech difficulties with the new studio. The guys here have been working every minute. They're sober. So we're getting about 30 minutes, good minutes out, of them, out of them. But we're doing our best. We really are. So it's working now, right? We've got, yes. it, we've got it. And you can hear us. And good. We think as we go forward, it's going to be great. But I know it has been tough. And I, I 
do apologize for it. Um, you know how when you're watching TV, do you, I don't know, I, I channel surf, you know, I go up and channel surf, especially late at night, and I notice there are certain movies you get to. The Godfather is the main one, but Heat, we talked about Heat yesterday, Ben-Hur, where, where you just, it's like falling into a black hole. You know, you'll be channel surfing, channel surfing, cha- and then suddenly two hours are gone. That is what the Texture app is like, texture.com. This is like every magazine you can think of. It's, it's over, over like 200 magazines on this one app for the price that it would cost you to get one subscription to a magazine, just about. And, and you turn this thing on, so help me, you turn this thing on and you dis, your life disappears. That's what I'm selling you here today. I'm selling you something that will make your life disappear. But it's important because, you know, we're getting so much information off the internet and it's basically your Aunt Nell who is telling this, anybody still have an Aunt Nell? But if you do have an Aunt Nell, you know, she's sending you, oh, look what happened. There was this conspiracy and that conspiracy. You have no way of knowing whether it's real information and you always have this feeling that you're hearing something, but you're hearing it from yourself or you're hearing it from somebody who agrees with you. This is the the app where you can go to all the magazines where they're actually paying people. Things like Esquire, Forbes, uh, what else is in there? Entertainment Weekly, Sports Illustrated. I mean, these are absolutely top magazines. Rolling Stone, if you're into Rolling Stone. And they're all there for, what is it? Prices like $9.99 a month. That's the usual price. It's ser- The other thing about this is it's searchable. This is what makes it, this is what makes it so addictive. It's searchable you can mark what you like just when you're like when you're reading on the kindle you can check out back issues view bonus video content and they even curate articles and magazines just for you or whoever you give the app to it's gone beyond delivering just the magazine itself they've made it easy to find and enjoy the articles you want to read with daily recommendations exclusive interactive features videos and more and like i said it's 9.99 for all these things this is this is a an app that won apple's top 2016 ipad apps but if you go on texture.com slash Clavin, K-L-A-V-A-N, you get a 14-day free trial. Right now, it is offering a 14-day free trial. Go to texture.com slash Clavin. 14 days to try Texture for free. Then you go to texture.com slash Clavin. Texture.com slash Clavin. I'm laughing because they give you 14 days. You'll open this app. 14 days will be over. You know, you'll be like, what happened? I had 14 days. So yesterday I was speaking to Jacob Airy. Is that how Jake pronounced it? Jacob Airy. He's one of the writers here. And he's and so we were exchanging writer stories in the makeup room while Jess was painting this face. This is not my real face. Jess paints this face on every day. I actually look much, much better than this. I look more intelligent than I than this. Uh, but anyway, Jacob and I were talking about, you know, we were trading writer stories. And I was telling him this story that happened to me when I was really just starting out. I was writing a series of mysteries under a pseudonym, the John Wells Mysteries, which were actually pretty good. Uh, one got nominated for an Edgar, one won an Edgar. Uh, they were they were really quite decent. But the second one, which was like my sophomore effort, and like all sophomore efforts, it was kind of the weakest link. It was called There Fell a Shadow, and it wasn't that good. And But it had this great conclusion. The great conclusion was a gunfight in a train station where the bad guys were coming down the stairs and the good guys were coming up the stairs. I can't remember who was on the stairs. And there was a baby carriage coming down the stairs, falling down the stairs. And finally, this guy we had set up was a dead shot. He took out the guy who was holding a hostage, shot him in the head from a distance, right? I'm writing this thing and I'm thinking, I am one of the great thriller writers ever, which turned out to be absolutely true, of course, but, but I <laughs> just, I think about, I was really feeling good and I put the last period on it, swear the story is true, I swear it's true. The movie The Untouchables opened, 
and I went to The Untouchables, and it's a really good movie. David Mamet uh, wrote it, and um, Brian De Palma directed it. It's really good. And I'm watching it, and it gets to the end, and I'm really, you know how you're up, you're really in the movie, and it gets to the climax, and it's a shootout, so help me, it's a shootout on the stairs of a train station with a baby carriage going down the steps, and at the end, the guy takes, the, the sharpshooter takes the guy out, and it was like, I, I mean, I couldn't believe it. It was the exact same scene. Almost every little thing in it was exactly the same. And, you know, I, I took out little details to disconnected, but at that point the book was written. I think, I think it was already at the publishers. There was nothing I could do about it. So I always hated this film. But recently I went back and watched it again, and it's actually very good. I never was a big Brian De Palma fan, but I love David Mamet. I went back and watched it again. And it really occurred to me that it speaks directly into the situation we are in right now. It, it has, it's, it's got Kevin Costner stars as Elliot Ness, and he comes to Chicago to clean up Chicago, which is being run by the gangster Al Capone, played by Robert De Niro. And the whole thing about Kevin Costner is he's a Boy Scout. You know, Elliot Ness is a Boy Scout. He doesn't, he never does anything wrong. He never breaks the law. And basically, he meets the tough cop, Sean Connery. And Sean Connery says, if you go around being a nice guy and playing by the rules and playing by the rule of law, Al Capone is going to destroy you because he doesn't care. He'll kill your family. He'll kill everybody. And they have what has become this famous exchange where Sean Connery explains to the Boy Scout, Kevin Costner, what he's going to have to do. You said you wanted to know how to get Capone. Do you really want to get him? You see what I'm saying? What are you prepared to do? Everything within the law. And then what are you prepared to do? If you open the ball on these people, Mr. Nash, you must be prepared to go all the way. Because they won't give up the fight until one of you is dead. I want to get Capone. I don't know how to get him. You want to get Capone? Here's how you get him. He pulls a knife, you pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital, you send one of his to the morgue. That's the shit. So that became obviously this famous thing. And remember, uh, I think it was Obama saying, if they punch you, punch back twice as hard. And people use this tough guy language in politics. But it is the question that we're facing when we have this stuff, this day after day drumbeat of Donald Trump and Russians, and the Russians are coming, the Russians are coming. Where are we supposed to stand? Where are we supposed to say, oh, yes, he did the, the wrong thing, or this is, you know, I, like I said, I don't believe this is a nothing burger. I believe it's a stupid burger. I believe this whole story is utterly ridiculous and that Donald Trump Jr. probably pulled a Fredo and just didn't know what he was doing. And, you know, there's a, these guys have a lot of contact with the Russians. Donald Trump had a lot of business with Russians, so he's going to be in contact with them. And they're probably, and every businessman in Russia has contacts in the Kremlin because it's all, it's a single, uh, you know, the government runs everything there. So when are we supposed to get excited about this? And of course, we have the guys at National Review and they have been, they are the right wing voice of the never Trumpers. Now they, they keep saying, well, there's no such thing as never Trump because Trump is now in office. But still, they have taken the attitude that this is disgraceful. This is like a terrible, terrible thing, you know, and anybody who says it's not has sold out. And of course, th this is one of the things about these arguments, of course, 
your side, you always feel that you are being utterly rational and living by these virtuous rules, but the other guy is acting out of psychology and he's selling himself out. That's always the way it works. You know, like I, I just have principles and I'm sticking to my principles and it's all very rational. You, on the other hand, are willing to throw everything away in your passion and psychology. And it's always the other guy is being irrational. So my pal, John Nolte, who I, I love to death, he wrote a piece for the Daily Wire where he basically just said, I am all in with this. And he said, it's so easy to sit. And by the way, we're still working on technology. So we canceled today. We're going to have Roger Kimball. We've moved him up into next week. We don't want to bring on a guest who we can't have, but Nolte will come on and he will get a chance to strike back. So I'm not talking behind his back here, but he wrote and he said, it's so easy to sit in your ivory tower and join the howling mob of moral narcissists on the left and right. Those who pre and pose their own virtue through feigned outrage. Don Jr. should have gone to the FBI, they huff. Americans don't do this, they puff. This is morally wrong, they harumph. Please, in this toxic political climate created solely by a thoroughly corrupted mainstream media, those of us who believe in individual liberty, religious freedom, killing terrorists, ending the tyranny of the bureaucracy, the sanctity of life, the rule of law, and that Western civilization rules have been given only two choices. We can either do whatever it takes to win elections or we can get ourselves destroyed. That's it in the real world. And that's where I live. Those are our only options. And so the question is, the, the real question is, are we in that situation? Are we battling Capone? You know, is it this bad? And, and the thing I, I have to say on the never Trump, I, I, I hit Nolte before because he endorsed the shutting down of the anti-Donald Trump um, Shakespeare in the Park, Julius Caesar, where they assassinated Donald Trump. A bunch of activists got up and, sh and shut it down. A couple of activists got up and shut it down. And Nolte said, this is great. This is a good thing. And I said, no, it's not. No, it's not. It's not It's not because they're being tough. It's not because they're you know out there trying to win. It's because they're trying to win the wrong thing. If you're in a town where the Corleone family is fighting the Soprano family, that doesn't matter who wins. It doesn't matter who wins. One side has to be Kevin Costner. One side has to be fighting for the rule of law. And then you can see where you break some of the rules to get back to the rule of law. Everybody forgets. Everybody quotes the untouchables, especially that scene. But they forget the last line of the untouchables as Elliot Ness is walking out of the building. Somebody says to him, what are you going to do when they repeal prohibition? He says, I'm going to take a drink. And the point is that this guy stands for the rule of law, even when he disagrees. And so the situation that we're dealing with is trying to figure out how bad is this? Because there is a mistake that I feel the anti-Trump right makes. And I will talk about it in a minute. But first, yesterday, though, this was hilarious. Yeah, yesterday, I talked to the people from MeUndies. And they, I, they, they said to me, I don't know if you've ever seen MeUndies. There are ads all over LA, so we all know all about it. But you go on their website, MeUndies.com, and they're selling underwear and nice shirts and vests and sweaters and things like this for men and women. And the thing is, it is supposed to be, they, they told me, this is the softest underwear you will ever wear. Now, I've ordered my pair, but I haven't worn it yet, so I can't personally endorse it. But, but she was telling me, the lady from MeUndies was telling me, this is the softest underwear you will ever wear. And of course, it comes, it's not just black or white. It comes in all these incredible designs. You can match it with your wife or your significant other. You can both have the same color, not obviously not the same underwear, but the same color underwear. And you can get, and it changes. They put out a new design all the time. You have like tiger stripes and all this, or just, you know, black and white, whatever you want. But it is, it really is, you go on, you can see it. It's really very cool and lots of fun. 
and she's saying to me, this is the softest. It's, it's made with something called micro modal, who sounds like the latest actor, doesn't it? Ah, Mike Modal. But apparently this stuff is softer than cotton. It is apparently so soft. You put this stuff on and it's incredible. So I'm listening to this whole thing and obviously a really nice lady. And I'll say at the end of it, I said, they say, you, you have any questions? And I said, yeah, I, why is it me undies? Why, why isn't it my undies, you know? I mean, what's, what is, I don't understand what's gained by saying me undies, which is, you know, instead of my undies. Absolute silence. Nobody knows. Nobody knows why it's me undies.com instead of my undies. So I hang up and Julia Whittle, who is one of our wonderful people here who works, you know, part of this, getting the advertising in, she said, well, maybe it was invented by pirates. And I thought, well, that's obviously it, right? I mean, like somewhere in the 1800s, you know, it's like, it says, ah, Captain, you're looking mighty comfortable. It's, ah, it's me undies, you know? That's right. <laughs> so you can get, you know, and it has the, has the skull and crossbone right on my underwear. So that's, so now if you want to be as comfortable as a pirate, you can get me undies and, and you will find out that there is a reason me undies has sold over 5 million pairs to date. You'll feel it the moment you put it on. If you don't love your pair of me undies, they're free. Don't send them back. Nobody wants your old underwear to send back but if you call they will they will give you your money back they'll they'll just say it's for free you can get 20 percent off your first pair plus free shipping at meundies.com slash clavin i will spell it again it's a tough one k-l-a-v-a-n that's meundies.com slash clavin meundies.com slash clavin for 20 percent off your first pair take a look at the website you'll see what i mean it's lots of fun and you will enjoy it we got to say goodbye we've been giving free visuals I hope <laughs> we haven't blown up Facebook to Facebook and YouTube. But if you want to watch the rest of the show on video, you've got to come over to thedailywire.com and subscribe. Then you never have to watch on Facebook or YouTube. You can just watch it on thedailywires.com. It is a lousy 10 bucks a month and for 100 bucks for a year. So you do the math because I'm not going to, but that's a savings actually. You also get a liberal tears mug. I love this mug. This mug keeps it keeps my coffee hot and it keeps my liberal tears cold. So it's really good stuff. Come on over to thedailywire.com, listen to the rest and subscribe. By the way, I mentioned Julia Whittle and uh, you know, Julia Whitt- Whittle is actually, people always ask, are you related to Bill Whittle, my pal and the great commentator? And the fact is, she is related to him. But if if you look at Julia Whittle, Julia Whittle is a a- absolutely beautiful young woman and one of the nicest people here. So she must be a very, very distant relation to <laughs> Bill Whittle. I mean, I'm thinking like the 72nd cousin five times removed or something like this because she, you couldn't look like that and be closely <laughs> related to Bill Whittle. You know, I, I saw Bill yesterday. I was on his show. On the, he's on NRA TV yesterday. And I said to him, you know, the NRA is like, I support the NRA. They're staunch. I support them emotionally. You know, they're staunch uh, defenders of the Second Amendment right to bear arms. And I said to him, but they must have a, a whittle exception, right? They must understand that Bill is the one and only person in this country who should in no way be let anywhere near a lethal weapon because he's just a dangerous, dangerous man. Let me tell you where I think the anti-Trump right goes wrong. Some of them will say, they will say to you, 
in order to justify your looking the other way, and I don't feel, by the way, I do look the other way on Donald Trump. I just feel that I don't get excited. The, the, the left does this all the time, and it is a coordinated effort by the deep state, meaning the administrative state, the mainstream media, and the Democrat Party. They are all acting in tandem to try and destroy this presidency with leaks and by you know sending out information and, and by only reporting. I mean, that was the joke of the opening. They're only reporting one side of this. This woman that uh, Donald Trump Jr. is supposed to have met, this Russian woman, was allowed into the country by the Obama administration. She was given a special visa. She had been barred from the country, and Obama administration gave her a special visa. This is a very strange story. You know, this story is very strange. I really do feel that uh, Donald Trump Jr. may have been set up in some way. I, I, I can't, obviously, I don't have any information about that, but that, it just looks like that to me. But the one thing I disagree with the anti-Trump right is they keep saying that we who have come to support Trump, and with me it's been very reluctant, very slow, they keep saying that we keep making Hillary Clinton worse and worse to justify Trump's behavior. And I, I'm sorry, but I think it's the exact opposite. I think they have forgotten how bad it was. There is a great, and how bad it was, and how bad these people are. I really do. I really think that they have forgotten how panicked they were, how desperate we were, how much we thought, what a disaster we thought this was going to be. and. And it would have been had anybody else but Donald Trump run. And my evidence for that is the fact that Donald Trump swept the competition away like it was dust. I mean, uh, these were impressive, important people. Ted Cruz is an impressive guy. I mean, Jeb Bush had all that money behind him. Marco Rubio, young up-and-comer, Trump swept them all away. And that tells you, I think, that they would not have won. Even if you think that Hillary Clinton lost the election, and there's a lot of evidence for that, I do not think she would have lost it to anybody else, evidenced by the fact that Trump swept them all away. Dan Henninger wrote a column in the Wall Street Journal today, one of his best columns. I always laugh at Dan Henninger because he is the avatar of the establishment. You know, there is nothing radical about him. There's nothing like, you know, he's mainstream. He looks like the establishment came to light. He looks like if, if like, you, you, like in Pinocchio, you said, I'm going to turn the establishment into a real boy, it would be Dan Henninger, okay? So his columns are usually pretty down the middle, not, you know, very radical or anything like this. But he wrote today, he said that Trump, he's talking about what I've been talking about all week. The fact that Trump gave a speech in defense of Western civilization and the left said, oh, Western civilization, that's no good. That's racist. Left, Western civilization, that's, that's a code word for white nationalism, for white uh, supremacy. Here's what Henniger says in part. I'm going to read a substantial piece of this because it really is good. He says the Trump base knew that the 2016 presidential election, the contest between Mr. Obama's successor and whoever would run against her, wasn't just another election. It was a crucial event deciding whether America would go on in the Western tradition as it had developed in the U.S. or continue its steady drift away from those ideals as it had in the eight years under Obama. I completely agree with this. I do agree with this. I do believe that the election of Hillary Clinton would have meant the end of the American experiment, all right? So he goes, Henninger goes on. If there is one controlling Western idea developed across centuries in Europe, including by resort to war, it is that the individual person deserves formalized protection from the weight of arbitrary political authority, whether kings, 
clergy or dictators. The founders were obsessed with this idea. They designed a government explicitly to protect smaller units, individuals, local governments from being overwhelmed by too powerful political authority. The American left has never been altogether with com altogether comfortable with the US's decentralized, difficult political system. Once it identifies a universal political good, it is impatient to put it in place. One of the first American ideas resisted by the left was federalism, the states they believe can't be trusted to do the right thing. Now, here's the important part. He's talking about the founding of this country and what the founders were obsessed with. And he talks about Thomas Jefferson's, uh, there's a word for it, but it was his, char his list of charges, his indictment of King George and all the bad things that King George had done. And I won't run through them all right now, but just keep those in mind. Henninger says in the 50s and 60s, the attack on federalism had to do with remedies for racial discrimination. With Mr. Obama, the federalist disdain accelerated his invite. And here is the list of his indictment, of Henninger's indictment of Barack Obama and his administration. His Environmental Protection Agency imposed regulations on behalf of universalist climate claims. The Eric Holder Justice Department filed lawsuits alleging racial disparities against police departments, towns, and local school systems. The Obama Labor Department did the same to coerce private employers. The Secretary of the Labor Department, Tom Perez, now leads the Democrat National Committee. No more settled part of the West tradition exists than due process of law and the presumption of innocence, which are embedded in the Universal Declaration of Human Rights. Believing that this Western tradition impeded sexual abuse allegations at colleges, the Obama Education Department issued guidance that reversed due process and legitimized the presumption of guilt. They basically told colleges that they were going to lose money if they didn't presume that young men were guilty any time they were accused of rape. That they basically took due process away from any boy in a, in a college who got accused of any kind of sexual malfeasance. And you know, with the rampant, crazed feminism on campus, that happens a lot. Eventually, Donald Trump's base somehow intuited that a permanent reformulation of the political traditions of the West was happening here. One way to understand American politics today is to think of our divisions as resonant of the decade before the Revolutionary War, when rebellion's trigger was King George and his parliament in London. In our time, the struggle is about an aggressive elevation of central authority over the smaller units of American life. The progressive Democrats are the new King George, ruling 50 post-colonial states from distant Washington. Donald Trump's base objects. I don't think that's overstating it. I do not think that's overstating it. I think the traditions of the West, the, this tradition of individual freedom, whether you think the main unit of power should be the individual or the family, which is a big argument that people on the right have, that tradition was eroding completely and they do not believe on it in it the left does not believe it you think you're you know you think it's exaggerating to say this stuff but you only have to look at what they say themselves you know the fact that Donald Trump defended Western civilization and they said no I mean this is I keep bringing this up because it's the context of all these summers you know crazy summer stories about Donald Trump jr. whatever having a meeting where nothing happened you know that's the context the context is the other side doesn't like Western civilization let, let me give you ABC News right reported on a speech that Jeff Sessions gave all right Listen to this. A 
Attorney General Jeff Sessions delivered a speech to an alleged hate group at an event closed to reporters on Tuesday night, and the Department of Justice is refusing to reveal what he said. That's, that's the opening. Okay, what, who was, was he talking to the Ku Klux Klan? Was he talking to the Nazis? Was he talking to Spencer and the alt-right? Sessions addressed members of the Alliance Defending Freedom. Okay, this is a religious organization that defends people's religious rights, including the right of a baker not to bake a cake for a gay wedding if that is against his religion. That makes them designated an anti-LGBT hate group by the Southern Poverty Law Center, which is a hate group. It is a hate group that uses its list of hate groups to identify people, us, on the right and call them hate groups. And then ABC reports on this. In other words, the, the kind of beliefs that people who believe in Christianity and Judaism have believed for thousands of years and that people in the Muslim world believe in even harsher and nastier terms, these beliefs cause this to be a hate group and Jeff Sessions is somehow mysteriously, you know, doing something evil by talking to them. You want to see the, the comical version of this. Aaron Burnett on CNN. There was a picture. This is unbelievable. There's a picture of Donald Trump in, I believe, in the Oval Office with lawmakers, including Mike Pence, surrounding him, and they're praying. And if you've ever gone to church, and if you haven't, you should, they have their hands on him, they're touching him, you know, and they, they're all together praying for the President of the United States. A good thing. Here is CNN anchor Aaron Burnett reacting to this picture. Something we don't see every day here in the image coming out of Donald Trump praying in the Oval Office and all of those hands on him. And next, a, a pretty stunning image. Let me just give you a quick peek of it. The president bowing his head in prayer in the Oval Office and, and all these people sort of touching him. It's, it's very strange. We're going to tell you what happened there. <laughs> she can't figure it out. What's going on? You know, this reminds me when George W. Bush was president, he made a speech and he said he talked about the Good Samaritan. And so help me, I can't remember, if it, I think it was in the New York Times, somebody said that is code language for the religious right. I thought the Good Samaritan is code language for the religious right? I mean, that's how detached these people are from the traditions that made, that everything they fight for is underlain by those traditions. Everything they fight for stands on those traditions that they want to destroy. But the thing is, they're not fighting for those things anymore. They, everything they do turns out to be the opposite of what they say they want. The feminists say they want strong women. Look at feminists. They do nothing but complain. They do nothing but attack one another. And re remember when it was when feminism meant that women should not attack one another? Did you see jo Joan Walsh? This is not, you can't believe this stuff. Did you see Joan Walsh? She is an MSNBC commentator. And she was talking about the fact that Ivanka Trump for a few minutes sat in where with Donald Trump at the G20, right? And why, why this was a big deal, I, I don't know, uh, because this happens all the time that the leader walks away and somebody sits in. I guess because of their daughter, some people thought it looked some you know, royal or something like this, and, and this is a big problem. MSNBC's Joan Walsh, this is her comment on that. It's about her dress. Yeah, sitting in for it. her father at the G20. Right, with uh, big bows on her sleeve. I mean, I, I don't mean to sound sexist. It can be dangerous to comment on what women wear. But the, the fact that she sat in for her father in a dress that was so incredibly ornamental was such a contradiction uh, in terms. And I think that what we see is that in patriarchal authoritarian societies, daughters have great value. They are property. Uh, and the message that, that she is sending about her own value, about her place in the 
White House uh, and about the place of women in this administration, I think are really pretty frightening. So. Do you think you're opening yourself up uh, about the boats? Uh, are you, I mean, are you looking ready? at Twitter yet? I mean, Not I, yet. You know, uh, I just have that was I mean, a very it's a pink dress with big big bows on on the elbows. There's something incredibly ornamental. That's not a dress that's made for work. That's not a dress that's made to go out in the world and make a difference. That is a dress that is designed to show off your girliness. And, you know, God bless her. Show it off. But don't then tell us that you're uh, crusading for an equal place for women at the table because you're not. What if you are? What if you're doing that and you're wearing a pink dress? We have a picture of the pink dress. Can you show it? She looks lovely. I mean, it's a, it's a, she's obviously a very beautiful woman, and it looks very nice. But what if you are crusading for equal rights for women wearing a pink dress with bows on? Then what happens? I mean, <laughs> you know what? You probably get more of what you're looking for than if you showed up in a paper sack. You know, <laughs> well, maybe a paper sack would be all right. But I mean, you know, if you showed up looking like a, in one of Hillary Clinton's pantsuits, maybe you don't get as much. So maybe she's using what she's got. You know, it's, it's just insane. I mean, they become who they oppose. They always become who they oppose. And the way they do become that way is they adopt, they accept the values of the people they oppose because they think those values are victorious. So in other words, they say, well, men have uh, oppressed women and therefore we accept men's values, but we can be just as good at being men as men are. And of course, you can't be just as good at men as at being a man as a man is any more than I can be as good at being a woman as a woman is. That doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But all it does is it turns when you adopt people's values, when you adopt somebody's values, you get to their goals. Now you had her. That was the most sexy. I mean, I, I got to be honest. I, I, I feel like I am a sexist in the sense that I believe men and women are very different. If that makes me a sexist, I'm a sexist. I would never say something like that. I would never say something like that. A woman in a pink dress telling, explaining to me what she wants out of government. You know, what I would not be thinking is, hmm, pink dress. I would be thinking, what is she saying? What is she talking about? Does she have a point? You know, that's what I would be thinking about. They become become what they behold. Happens to the blacks. The blacks say, you know, well, the white man oppressed us, so we're going to oppress him back. We're going to, he oppressed us for being black, so we're going to oppress him for being white. So what happens? You know, you go to a college and you have a dorm that's for black people. You have segregation. The, the left does that. The left becomes what it beholds. And that is why, that's why I am cautious in saying the Sean Connery line, yes, if they come with a knife, you know, come with a gun. If they put one of ours in the hospital, put them in the morgue, fight back twice as hard. No question about it. But make sure you're fighting for what you want to win, right? Make sure you are not fighting for the same gangster values that they bring to us. We have to fight for our values. And look, Trump is a flawed guy. He is a flawed guy. I'm, I'm not, so I can't understand that. You know, I know Austin is also perfect in just, you know, we're a room full of perfect people, but Trump is a, a, a flawed guy and he's probably, I, I will say this, the law has been after this guy for 30 years and they've never indicted him on anything. So I kind of assume that he may, may play a little bit, color outside the lines a, a little bit, but I kind of assume that he's never you know, really done anything terrible or they would have gotten him. They've been after him for a long time, but he is a flawed guy. He has a temper. He gets petty. He has these feuds. But so far, he's fighting the right fight. He's fighting the fight for Western civilization. And if he is a flawed spokesman for it, at least he's a spokesman against those people. And he makes a good point. He was talking to Pat Robertson the other day, and he was talking about Russia. And he makes the point that after all this smoke is cleared, this Donald Trump Jr. nothing smoke is cleared, who is it? Who is it who is a more dangerous adversary to Vladimir Putin? Let's hear it. If Hillary had won, our military would be decimated. Mm -hmm. 
uh, our energy would be much more expensive. That's what Putin doesn't like about me. <laughs> and that's why I say, why would he want me? Because from day one, I wanted a strong military. He doesn't want to see that. Mm -hmm. And from day one, I want fracking and everything else yeah. to get energy prices low and to create tremendous energy. We're going to be self-supporting. We just about are now. We're going to be exporting energy. He doesn't want that. He would like Hillary, where she wants to have windmills. Okay? Yeah. He would much rather have that because energy prices will go up and Russia, as you know, relies very well, much on energy. So there are many things that I do that mm -hmm. are the exact opposite of what he would want. So when I keep hearing about that, he would have rather had Trump. I think probably not because when I want a strong military, you know, she wouldn't have spent the money on yeah, the military. Right. But when I want a strong military, when I want tremendous energy, we're opening up coal, we're opening up natural gas, we're opening up fracking, all the things that he would hate but nobody ever mentions that. Anti-Trump right doesn't see is that Trump has changed. Trump has actually developed. You know, he does still sink back into these petty feuds that I wish sometimes he would let them pass. But the guy who's talking now has now got a sense of the problems that he's facing. What he always pictures himself as is a problem solver. He wants you to love him for solving your problems. And now he's got a sense of how he can operate and the scope of his operation. And I just, I really wish the Congress would step up because this is a moment. We're not gonna get a perfect repeal of Obamacare. I, I just do not believe there is a path to that given the numbers and the people involved. But. I, I do think, I really do think that if they pass something, you, you know what Ted Cruz is trying to do is he's trying to get a repeal in there. They've re just released the new version of the health care thing. I haven't had time to look at it, so I'm not going to talk about it specifically. But apparently Ted Cruz's uh, amendment is in there that would allow insurance companies, if they offer an Obamacare package, they can also offer anything else they want. And I think what Cruz and a couple of other people are trying to do is engineer a bill that will slowly kill Obamacare, even if it doesn't repeal it right now. And I think that guys like Rand Paul, I think they ought to get on board. I think they ought to give Trump, I said this the first time in the House, I think they ought to give Trump the legislative victory he needs, set him up, you know, keep keep working on the bill, make it better and better. But still, I think they should let him go forward. Trump says, let's listen to one last cut of Trump, uh, number three. He says he'll be he'll be ticked off if they don't do it. But with all of that being said, it has to get passed. They have to do it. They have to get together and get it done. What will happen if they don't? Well, I don't even want to talk about it because I think it would be very bad. I will be very angry about it, and uh, a lot of people will be very upset. But I'm sitting waiting for that bill to come to my desk. I hope that they do it. They've been promising it for years. They've been promising it ever since Obamacare, which has failed. It's a failed experiment. It is totally gone. It's out of business. And we have to get this done. Repeal and replace. You know, I think they should do it for them. And I think we should stop you know, clutching our pearls at every bombshell revelation that disappears, you know, until I see evidence that Donald Trump was taking money from Vladimir Putin to turn our, the country over to Russia. I am willing to stand up for a guy who is standing up for Western civilization against these people who are not. It is Chicago. They are Capone. We have to stop them. And if it means playing a little rough sometimes, I'm not willing to go as far as Nolte in, in fighting for things that I don't believe in, for doing things that I don't believe in. But I will fight very hard for the things that I believe in. And I'm not going to pick on Trump every time they come up with another pearl-clutching, exciting story that I know is going to blow away with the wind.
Just before we enter the bleak, bleak, bleakness of the bleak, clavenless weekend, I do want to say that uh, today's my birthday. Oh, and happy birthday. Thank you very much. I, I appreciate it. I'm 115 years old. I look great. And I just want to say... That's just face. That's right. That's right. When this, this, after this, Jess get, gives me a you know wipe and I take it off and I am Pat Robertson. <laughs> but I just want to say what a pleasure I'm... What a great time I'm having. I am really having one of the times of my life. I've had a couple of really great periods of my life. This is one of them. I love being at the Daily Wire. I love, the, except for the, the people in this room accepted who are really, I mean, look at them. Uh, but, I mean, Shapiro and Jeremy Boring, all these people, they they are, if, if you love them, you're right. They are some of the great people. It's just been bliss. You know, I, I have to say this. Uh, we, we do talk about Christianity here a lot, and I, I talk about my faith. And a lot Maybe because I came to faith so late in life, I see it differently than a lot of people do. A lot of people look at the Gospels and look at Christianity as some kind of rule book for doing the right thing. You know, you're going to do this and then you'll be a good person and then you'll get a reward. And I don't see it like that at all, to be honest with you. I see it as a handbook for bliss. I see it as a handbook for being as happy as you can possibly be. I really do. I mean that. I mean, I I read the Gospels every day. I read them in Greek, he bragged. But and I, you know, so I I really study them. And what I see is a guidebook on how to be happy, how to be happy in life. And there used to be, there still is, he's, he's, gone, he's gone, but his books remain. I, I was very into Joseph Campbell when I was a kid, and uh, I would read his books. He was a, a great student of mythology. He wrote a wonderful book that you, if that you would really enjoy called Hero with a Thousand Faces, about how many, many myths are really the same myth, the monomyth, as James Joyce called it. And, uh, and Joseph Campbell became very famous right toward the end of his life. Nobody knew who he was. In fact, I was writing articles about him and trying to sell them. And I remember writing for one newspaper and they said, we don't know who this is. We don't want an article about Joseph Campbell. And then he died. And after he died, he suddenly became very famous because of these interviews with Bill Moyer on PBS. And they called me up and they said, you still have that article. You know, I sold them this, this big article about it. And uh, he was a conservative. They hate to remember this because he's now the airy fairy kind of uh, left loves him. Uh, but he was he was actually conservative. And he, in this final interview that he gave, he said, "Follow your bliss." That is his advice at the end of his life. Follow your bliss. And. I would amend that a little bit. He was he was criticized for being selfish, that that's a selfish thing to do. I would amend that just a little bit. I would just say that all bliss uh, comes from love. And the more, the more valuable the thing you love, the more bliss you get out of it. And one of the things that I look back, because when you get to my age, the bill comes due. The bill for the way you behave comes due. If you have three wives and your kids hate you, this is when it comes due, you know. And I really feel fortunate at where I am in life. And it is because the one thing I did, even when I was crazy, even when I was really messed up, is I followed love. I followed, I married the woman I love, I had children and I loved them, and I do the work that I love every day. And I, you know, it's cost me some dough to do the work that I love, but I do the work I love and you get bliss from it. And like I said, the more valuable something is, the more bliss you get out of it. So I love uh, cryptic puzzles and I love the NFL and I get a little bliss out of that. I love a lot of people. There are a lot of people in my life who I love. I get a lot of bliss out of that. You love God, you get all the bliss in the world. It really is a good time. It's a good time. And if I walk out of here and get hit by a car, and the only reason I say that is because Shapiro has a car idling outside, and every time I open the door, I hear, <laughs> but if I get run over by a car, know that I went out celebrating. All right. 
Before the uh, Clavenless weekend begins, Stuff I Like. I've been hitting Baby Driver all this time because it's such a big success and it got such great reviews and I didn't really like it all that much. I liked the first 45 minutes a lot and then I felt it went off the rails. But it did one thing is it reintroduced this song that I've always really liked by Simon and Garfunkel called Baby Driver. We will end with that. This is the Andrew Claven Show. I'm Andrew Claven. The Clavenless weekend begins. Survivors gather here on Monday. Hit it. Just to serve.